When somebody says the words Jefferson County to me, it often evokes images of fast-growing suburbs, beautiful scenery, and delicious pie at the Blue Owl. It also happens to be the center of the Missouri political universe every time there's a major statewide election. 2018 is no exception, as U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill and Republican Attorney General Josh Hawley both are trying to win the Bellwether County in the highly competitive U.S. Senate contest here. More often than not, the people that win statewide elections in Missouri also win Jefferson County. So in the latest edition of Politically Speaking, Joe Manis and I break down the issues and factors that could be the difference between victory and defeat. We also take a look at the reaction to the Kavanaugh controversies in Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Lufius Alfa Romeo, offering test drives of the Alfa Romeo Giulia, the 2018 Motor Trend Car of the Year at Lufius Alfa Romeo in Fairview Heights. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio today is colleague Joe Manis. And we're recording this actually on Thursday afternoon while the Brett Kavanaugh hearings are still going on. To, to be candid, I am not going to be at work on Friday. I have a family engagement. So the reason I mention all of this is by the time you hear this, events with the Kavanaugh situation may have moved pretty dramatically by the time you listen. So we're going to try to keep this discussion pretty specific on Missouri. Yeah, because frankly, all of our listeners are hearing all this national stuff from other sources, including NPR. And frankly, I don't think you need our opining on that. I, I will say, though, the one thing I am going to say, I listened to Dr. Christine Blasey Ford's testimony today, and it was very powerful. And I think that you're seeing the reaction on social media that a lot of people are listening in on this, and it's getting probably outsized attention for a Supreme Court nomination hearing. The question that I want to pose to you, Joe, is what do you think the impact of this will be not only on the U.S. Senate race, but on other elections going on in Missouri. Okay. I think there's 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 two angles to this. First, uh, the Republican nominee, um, Missouri Attorney General Josh Hawley, has made Kavanaugh's confirmation a centerpiece of his campaign. If something happens to Kavanaugh, let's say he uh, withdraws or something like that, that really will cause Hawley to have to reframe, I think, his campaign because he has been saying repeatedly, that, that Kavanaugh is qualified, that Kavanaugh is the perfect candidate, so forth and so on. And that's true for some of the base, too. I was at a Republican phone bank last night getting stuff for a couple different stories I'm working on, and several Republican women, suburban Republican women, were there doing the calls. And they were very passionate in their support for Kavanaugh, their opposition to abortion, their belief that Kavanaugh could provide the crucial fifth vote to uh, overturn Roe v. Wade. Which we'll which, talk about later right. on in the show, by the way, but right. continue. Right. But the point is, this is key to the Republican base. Republican base want Holly on there because many of them, not all of them, but many of them are hoping that he will provide the vote to overturn Roe v. Wade, which is the 1973, that's 45 years ago, Supreme Court decision that 
legalize most abortions. So there you've got that on the Republican end. You've got some uh, Republicans, moderate Republicans, suburban Republican women who are not part of this group who are doing the phone banks, who maybe are more moderate on reproductive rights, who, frankly, are probably among that block who defected from Todd Akin in 2012 and voted for Claire McCaskill then. So the audience that Hawley and McCaskill are both playing to are suburban Republican women, but it's different blocks within that group. And I want to play a couple of clips now. The first is from Holly on Monday when the second allegation of sexual misconduct was made public against Brett Kavanaugh. This was his response or part of his response to you at a at a place in Jefferson County. Right. Well, I mean, I think there's going to be a hearing on Thursday. I think Dr. Ford, uh, I understand she's going to come forward and testify. I think that's good. I think she should. And I think, I think they ought to vote. And if these other this new stuff out there. Uh, you know, that, that ought to be aired out, too, on Thursday. There's going to be a hearing. Let's have it all, and then they ought to vote. Well, you were talking in your speech about a circus. Can you rephrase that or explain Well, what yeah, you, I'm d- you know, you just look back at the last couple of months of this thing, Joe, and I was thinking about even in the confirmation hearings, you know, the Senator Blumenthal and Durbin and Senator Booker constantly interrupting Chairman Grassley. Of course, we know they coordinated that strategy. Then the protesters, who they also coordinated with, and just thinking about, you know, the Kavanaugh's two little daughters having to be taken out multiple times because of the nature of what was being screamed. You think, this is the United States Senate. I mean, it really is embarrassing, I think. And now, to have Senator Feinstein sit on these allegations for months, literally months, I mean, this is a judge who has had multiple days of hearings. He's answered, I understand, 1,600 interrogatories, as we lawyers call them, written questions. And uh, and now, at the end of all of this, now suddenly, oh, we've got these new things. So. I just think the way that the Democrats have behaved and treated this process has been shameful. Uh, I think the the committee has been very generous to have this hearing on Thursday. She should be heard from. Anybody else who wants to be heard from, who has allegations, let's do it then, and then let's vote. And this is what he had to say on Thursday while the Kavanaugh hearings were still going on. You know, I I should say I've been traveling most of the day, so I've only heard little snippets. So I need to and want to go and and watch or read all of her testimony. And and he's on right now, of course, and all of his uh, before I... uh, you know, reach any conclusions, but I, I, you know, I'll just say this, I don't have any reason to doubt her sincerity. Uh, I think that this process has been a disaster. I think it has been, it is a terrible reflection on the United States Senate, uh, the way that this has been handled, and it, it is truly a circus atmosphere there. Uh, and, you know, I just think that I, the, the clear and responsible parties here uh, are the Democrats, Senator Feinstein, and to sit on these allegations and to wait until this 11th hour with the sole purpose, sole purpose of making it a circus show. I mean, this is the whole idea was to create this sort of a circus. I think it's terrible. It's a terrible disservice to the judge. It is a terrible disservice to Dr. Ford. And uh, you know, I, I just think it's awful. Joe, I, I kind of see two routes this could take. The one is that backlash over the Kavanaugh nomination really does spread nationwide and in Missouri. And those suburban women that you mentioned, especially in St. Louis County and maybe even like St. Charles County and and Jackson and Clay counties, uh, they're repelled by this and they end up voting for McCaskill. But I could also see very socially conservative Republicans that see Kavanaugh as a way to restrict abortion rights being so angry about this situation that they're more motivated to vote for someone like Holly. Well, that sounds counterintuitive. We have to remember that after the Access Hollywood tape, 
was released in 2016, there was talk about Donald Trump losing the state of Missouri. And then a month later, he won by 19 percentage points. Yeah, well, I think that that whole thing in 2016 illustrates that you, you can't count the votes until the votes are made. And that Access Hollywood tape, which was, what, a month, less than a month before the election? And it featured President Trump saying some absolutely vile things about women, Yeah, but by there the were way. so many things that happened after that. I mean, the Comey letter, just all this other stuff, that in some ways voters have very short memories because most of them have normal lives. They're not like you and me. And focus on politics all the time. Like, remember when Eric Greitens was going to be an, make an impact on this election? We're not really talking about that anymore because he's been gone three months and people forget he even existed. Exactly. You got it. <laughs> so um, so now you've got a case where everyone's like, oh, you know, there's been these hearings. But it's September 27th. And the election is November 6th. Heaven knows. I mean, there's going to be so many things that happen between now and then that you and I don't even know about. I want to talk about McCaskill's response to this. She's already said she's not voting for Brett Kavanaugh. We talked about it on last week's show about it's his opinions on undisclosed political money are, quote unquote, dark money in the political process. I've been watching her campaign team. I've been watching her emails, been watching her Twitter accounts. I have not seen anything from the McCaskill campaign trying to attack Holly for supporting Kavanaugh so boisterously. And it makes me wonder maybe two things are happening. One, that McCaskill is waiting to see how this goes and may end up using the Kavanaugh issue as a bludgeon against Holly later on. Or she's making the calculation that this may not be as good of a political weapon against Holly as, say, the pre-existing condition issue, which she has been hammering Holly on. Whatever campaign gains that she has made in the state, it depends whether or not she has momentum, depends on who you talk to. Um, anyone who thinks she does, it's all hinging on this whole pre-existing condition fight, this health care fight. Well, those attract many of those same suburban women voters that, as I said, that she and Holly are both focusing on. Some of them are Republicans. Some of them are independents. They're not aligned with either party. Those women already may be listening to her because they agree with her on the pre-existing condition issue. Many of those women, I opine, also or are probably the ones who are glued to their TVs today um, listening to uh, Dr. Ford and then later Kavanaugh. So I think that um, her calculation may be that she already has many of these women already in her camp or leaning her way. And that she doesn't want to do anything to blow it. So she's going to see how things shake out first. I want to move on to something closer to home that happened this week. And that is the Missouri Supreme Court de- declined to take up an appeal knocking clean Missouri off the ballot. The, the Western Court District Court of Appeals overturned a lower court decision that did knock it off the ballot, three to nothing. And the Missouri Supreme Court decided not to hear an appeal from the plaintiffs, which means clean Missouri we talked about before, will be on the November ballot. Now that the legal fight is over, I think that there's discussions about the actual implications of clean Missouri, which I plan to talk to talk about kind of in bits and pieces over the next few weeks because it's such a large amendment. One of the things that I think has been brought up even by Democrats in the last few days is the effect of the redistricting portion on whether African-American representation in the Missouri House and Senate will be diminished. 
I'm going to play a clip now from Jim Talent, who is leading the opposition to Clean Missouri, where he talks about this very issue. We all know how this works, right? Yeah, in theory, an African-American from North City can win a state Senate, Senate district that goes out to mid-Missouri. In practice, you know, we can all guess how often that's going to happen. Well, Carla May just won a, a majority white district in St. Louis City, but that was the first time that's happened in a long time. Uh, Shamed Dogan, my old uh, yeah. staffer, is, is a representative in Baldwin, and great. Three cheers. Uh, I, I really mean that. I'd Absolutely. love to see more of that. But there's a reason the Voting Rights Act was passed, it's because of a recognition of this. So I, I, I am very concerned about it. Now, what specifically I think opponents of Clean Missouri are talking about is the possibility that to create districts that promote partisan fairness and competitiveness, in their view, the only way to do that, especially in St. Louis, is to take very African-American districts, primarily in North St. Louis County and to some extent North St. Louis City, lower the percentage, say, from 70 percent to about 55, 54 percent, and stretch that territory into more Republican territory. Now, Sean Sonker Nicholson, I had this conversation with him, pointed to a provision saying districts shall not be drawn with the intent or result of denying or abridging the equal opportunity of racial and language minorities to participate in the political process. And then when I asked him again, does Clean Missouri still allow to lower the percentage that doesn't go below 50 percent, he said, so I think that there are two ways for gerrymandering to happen. One is to crack a set of voters and break them up across districts. Another way is to pack voters into a small number of districts where there's a high number of wasted votes because we all know the outcome long before Election Day. And there's a reason why the Missouri NAACP, the Brennan Center, the Campaign Legal Center, Organization for Black Struggle have all reviewed the policy and have strongly supported that policy. We would not have those endorsements if the policy wasn't as strong as it was. Joe, you have followed redistricting longer than I've been alive. Do you think that there is any way to create competitive districts in western St. Louis County or St. Charles County without making African-American districts in North County less African-American? Well, I think it depends on how you do it, and I think those, uh, those, those lines that you read could be crucial. I think that there w- it will be a challenge. Uh, I'm not saying it can't be done. One of the things that about redistricting in Missouri under the current system, I remember covering it, well, let's say 20 years ago, and the Republicans, um, who were then not controlling the General Assembly, but the Republicans would cut deals with the black Democrats promising them that if they would agree to, uh, that they would make sure that their own districts were extremely high African-American, let's say high 60s, 70, uh, in exchange for them voting for some of their proposals, uh, d- proposed districts. And this which, you're, you're talking about congressional districts, though, right? Yes, but no, even with the... Um, State legislative districts? Yes, yes. They had several, I remember covering some press conferences where there was warring accusations, even though technically you have these um, committees that are set up of gubernatorial appointees that are from uh, people selected by the parties. The bottom line is they're still politicking within those panels. And the way they would get the support of some of the Democrats, particularly the uh, black Democrats on those panels, was to cut the deals that I was talking about. And I covered, I don't know how many news conferences that post-redistricting, let's say 20 years ago, even 30 years ago, where there would be um, angry white Democrats claiming that they that the black Democrats had cut 
uh, basically a deal with the devil in their terms. But there's a reason why they're doing that. Right. Because in St. Louis, if the margin is too close to 50 percent, it is very possible for a white candidate to win in some of those districts. It's not academic. Correct. You look at some wards in southeast St. Louis City, which are hovering around 50 percent, the ninth ward, the 20th ward. They're represented by white Democrats. Now, there are clearly exceptions to this rule, like Gina Walsh's district, I think, is hovering around 60 percent African-American, and she's a white Democrat. Carla May, who is going to be the fourth district senator, is going to represent a majority white district, and she's African-American. It's not an exact science, but I, I know that a lot of people bringing up the racial minority issue with clean Missouri are Republicans that don't like it anyways. Right, but for I, the reasons. I do think something that I think the proponents are going to have to flesh out a little bit more than just pointing to the language in the initiative or are, are saying who supports them. Well, I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, I think that I, mean, I think they were smart to get the NAACP on board. And just looking at it strategically, they need to have uh, the NAACP and, let's say, the Organization for Black Struggle and others out there campaigning for it because I think there will be suspicions among African-American voters. But does the fact that those organizations support it mean that that scenario I mentioned won't happen? Because, again, I think that there are other ways to create competitive districts in, like, western St. Louis County, but it would require taking territory in, say, the inner ring suburbs, Richmond Heights, Maplewood, Olivet, maybe in Webster and Kirkwood and moving moving it to west St. Louis County. And in that scenario, you may actually end up with more Republican lawmakers because you're diminishing a, a very Democratic area and then putting it in jeopardy. Possibly, that- po- because I, I think this is the whole thing where uh, the, there's that old saying, be careful what you wish for. And I think that um, some say, OK, Democrats are pushing this because they think it'll contribute, make more Democratic districts. Well, that may or may not be the case. And I think... Uh, you maybe inadvertently point at the fact that while we we clearly have racial divisions in the region, I'm not downplaying that at all. The fact that Carla May won and some others means that in some people's minds, race may not be the only factor. So uh, and that and with the uh, reduction in power of the Voting Rights Act, which the Republicans did in Washington, um, makes it, I think it's going to be really squishy. But I think if this measure is on the ballot, it will get more Democrats and progressive activists out there, which frankly, I mean, without leaking, looking at even the provisions, it was part of the intent. The part of the intent was to improve Democratic turnout in November. And now it's time for Politically Speaking's election analysis, where we break down what will be on your ballot on November 6th. So now we move on to our featured election this week. It's not actually a specific election. It's of Jefferson County and its impact on other elections. Now, it always seems to me, Joe, that whenever there's a major statewide election in Missouri, Jefferson County becomes like the star because it it tends to vote. It's a bellwether. For winners of statewide contests. And I think that generally, if you look back like 50, 40, 30, even 20 years, even 10 years, It's a traditionally Democratic county that has become more Republican in the last, I don't know, three election cycles, four election Uh, cycles? I would say more like five or six. So you talked with uh, Jefferson County Executive Ken Waller 
about this. And he kind of explained one of the reasonings why he feels Republicans have gained a lot of ground in Jefferson County over the last few years. Well, I mean, you know, it's uh, pro, pro-life, obviously, pro-gun. Uh, there's still quite a few union people in this area. For years, the Democrats kind of had a stronghold on that, and now there's a lot of labor-friendly Republicans, including myself, Becky Ruth, Elaine Gannon, the guy that's running for County Executive Dennis Gannon. So there's that's kind of been negated a little bit, you know, where for 20, 30 years when Dick Gebhardt was in the House, you know, this was a Democratic county bar none. So I think that those are the three main issues. And then, you know, just, just what's going on in Washington and in Jefferson City. I think with the new governor, I think that's been a big help. And I think you know the Holly race. I think will energize a lot of people uh, because it's a very important race in the you know in Washington D.C. You've covered Jefferson County for again longer than I've been alive. Yes, Joe. that's true. Um, why do you think it is so important? I mean, you can make an argument that like Buchanan County should get the same amount of attention, but it always seems to be Jefferson County that gets the star treatment in statewide elections. Well, part of it I think is because Jefferson County is such a mix. There's farms out there. There's uh, it's also part of the St. Louis suburbs. And you have a lot of blue-collar workers who live out there, especially back in the days when the Chrysler plant in Fenton, a lot of the um, uh, rank-and-file workers lived in Jefferson County. So the result was that you had uh, many people who, would, who in the old days would be called uh, socially conservative Democrats. Well, there aren't that many socially conservative Democrats anymore. You're a socially conservative Republican. And I think Waller touched on the key issue there is that the Republicans who are in Jefferson County, many of the ones who have won, have emphasized their support for labor and have voted against right to work. So they've tried to bridge that. Uh, and But I think that with that, with Jefferson County's reputation, though, there also are, you know, working class people who are you know, Democrats or who are progressive, many of the younger voters there are questioning some of the policies. So it's a real, like a test tube. You can go out there and talk to a bunch of people and you, and, and they also are dealing with the opioid epidemic. You can really get a sense of what's going on. By the way, fun fact, you talked about young people who live there. My cousin, who's about the same age as me, bought built a house in High Ridge um, and has is raising both of his kids there. So that is kind of a testament to how it's not just, you know, middle-aged people that live out there. I think it's getting younger and younger because it's affordable to buy houses yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, it's affordable to build a house out there. And so when I was talking to these Republicans on Monday, uh, one of the, the key issues I was told were for Jefferson County voters, aside from some of the social issues, was they were saying it was the economy and the opioid epidemic, because the Je- Jefferson County has been hit hard by that. Now, four years ago, the quote-unquote battle for Jeffco, which is the nickname that I have patented to describe the 22nd district senatorial race, was actually like one of the biggest races of that election cycle because the auditor's race was a dud right. because there was no Democratic opponent for Tom Schweik. Paul Whelan ended up winning that race by about 10 percentage points. Both candidates ended up spending you know, about a million, a million and a half dollars each. This time around, Wheeland is facing off against Democrat Robert Butler. 
it's a situation now where there's campaign donation limits. So, right. So, so it's really restricted what they can spend. And we we talked with both of them on podcasts that are going to be released next week. And they both kind of gave a lay of the land as they see it in Jefferson County. Here is Wheeland first. Overall, the majority of the people in Jefferson County, I think, still tend to lean Republican. And I guess my 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 reason for saying that is we've had this year multiple judges that have been Democrats for years that decided to file as Republicans. So the the old saying when I first started in politics back in 1994 was people advised me, they said, well, if you want to if you want to win, young man, you better run as a Democrat because Republicans don't get elected in Jefferson County. Now we've almost went full circle the other direction. Candidates that are thinking about running that aren't really diehard conservatives or diehard Republicans um, are saying, well, if I want to win, I better run as a Republican. If I'm a judge, I want to get retained, I better run as a Republican. So I think that mood is out there. Now, with that being said, I do see somewhat of a intensity on the other side that is stronger than the intensity on our side. And so I see the Democrats having a little bit more um, desire to go vote, a little bit where I, what happens is you have this complacency um, and it happens every year whoever's in the office of the White House. Um, all of the, I guess, the intensity of the Republicans are kind of like, hey, we're in good shape. We have super majorities in the Missouri House and the Senate. We control Washington. Ah, we're in good shape. We don't have to vote today. And that's what we're battling against. Here's Robert Butler's lay of the land. I think they're very open to Democrats right now. I think one of the biggest issues that you saw that Prop A was defeated by 78 percent down in Jefferson County. It's a very strong labor county. Uh, when I go door to door, people are concerned about health care. They're concerned about you know working families issues. Uh, they're worried about things like minimum wage. Uh, and they're very open to democratic ideas. They're frustrated. They see the Republican Party, especially in the state, not being responsive to those issues. Uh, so I feel very strongly going door to door. We've hit over thirty thousand doors in our in our, in our campaign. So we feel really strong about that. And um, you know, the, the the response has been great, and there's a frustration level with, with the Republicans. You know, you talk about Jefferson County, and historically it has been Democrat. This is the seat of Jay Nixon, uh, Bill McKenna, who are two of the more well-known uh, Democrats down in that area, and this is a seat that I really think is going to return uh, back to the Democratic Party. So, Joe, how important do you think it is for people like Holly and McCaskill for either Republican or Democratic candidates in Jefferson County, whether it be state legislative candidates or whether it be local candidates running for county executive or county council to do well. Because in my view, I think that I, I, I don't I don't see a scenario where, where Claire McCaskill loses Jefferson County and wins the election. I right, mean, I mean, right. it's, it's certainly within the realm of possibility, but I, 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 I doubt it. So I, I think mean, I think that people like Butler are actually more critical to her than any other state legislative candidate in the entire state right now. Yeah, because I think sometimes people um, downgrade the trickle-down effect, the importance of a coordinated Or the trickle-up effect. Right, right. That's a good point. Um, so both parties have coordinated campaign offices down there. They both are doing some uh, linkage, like what you just said. Uh, of, of saying, hey, you know, so-and-so is running for a state rep and he and I are on the, on the same page. I think that um, the Democrats have gotten, uh, made some gains because of key concerns about health care and also, let's say, Medicare and Social Security. So they're kind of focusing on that, where re Republicans are continuing to focus on guns and abortion. In fact, this is actually from Butler's, politically speaking, where I asked him, 
Do you hear about abortion rights when you're actually talking to actual people and not just in a vacuum? I would say that probably the two issues that I hear about the most are abortion and gun rights. Uh, less so gun rights, actually, this time, but I still get abortion a lot. I get that, that question a lot. It is a very important issue in Jefferson County. Now, Butler, like Whelan, is an opponent of abortion rights. He actually was endorsed by Missouri Right to Life during the primary, although I don't know what the general election is going to hold. And it kind of comes back to what I found while, while traveling around northeast Missouri last year. Northeast Missouri used to be a very Democratic area up until 2010. And what I heard over and over again was that the reason it flipped to the Republican side is that voters could not really make the connection between local candidates who are more socially conservative while, while seeing national Democrats being very socially liberal. Do you think people like Butler and, and, and McCaskill, for that matter, are going to encounter the same problem here and in other Keller counties where ab abortion rights are not very popular? Well, I mean, it depends on the Collar County, and I think that mood is changing. I'm not saying that the, that a majority of Jefferson County voters may still be more socially conservative when it comes to reproductive rights, but their kids are. And I think that's kind of across the board because you've got a whole generation of women, uh, 45 and younger, who have never lived when they didn't have easy access to uh, birth control and... Uh, I think some of them are concerned about this. Yeah. I will say, though, I have not encountered a lot of Democratic candidates in Jefferson County who are openly supportive of abortion rights. Listen to, for example, Representative Mike Ravis of Jefferson County when asked by St. Louis Public Radio's Abigail Sensky about whether he's facing any heartburn about his opposition to abortion, especially when Missouri Democrats have a plank basically supporting abortion rights. No, because I'm going to stay firm on, on what I ran on. Um, you know, I, I wasn't involved in that decision-making process. Um, I wasn't really looped in a, uh, with that discussion. Um, but it doesn't change things for me because at the end of the day, I represent District 97. Um, so I'm taking into account what I'm hearing from my constituents and how they feel on every issue. Um, and that's what I'll take with me to Jeff City. I think that there's actually another factor that may actually affect Jefferson County's vote total that a lot of people aren't talking about. And that's actually the local situation in Jefferson County. We heard from Ken Waller, who is leaving the county executive post to run for county clerk. Yeah, he's a Republican. And he has not had a great relationship with the county council. There's been a lot of friction over the amount county officials get paid. I don't know if it's at the level of like the Steve Stanger Council Wars in St. Louis County, because frankly, I haven't been to Jefferson County enough to see it. But I do think that there is some dysfunction and infighting among Republicans in Jefferson County. And there may be some dissatisfaction with how local things are going. I'm not sure if you've really heard a lot about that, because I think our focus has been generally on the more national issues. But is that something that could play a role in, in what happens? I think it could, because what was interesting to me when I was out there on Monday for this Holly event, but I talked to all these Republican officials who were there, many of them were concerned that they felt there wasn't the energy on their side. And they're, they're talking about Jefferson County. Uh, they just felt like either because of some of these internal splits over various things or um, just people, some people are upset with Trump because of the tariffs. I want to emphasize the tariff issue 
has hurt him in some of these color counties because there's many small factories out there that are being impacted by the tariffs because um, they import some of their parts from China. And so they've gotten hit with big cost increases. So I think that um, Republicans in Jefferson County who are no doubt in the majority, they are concerned because they do feel like uh, they need to do more to get their people energized and to see a reason uh, to vote. And circling back to the beginning, that's where the whole Kavanaugh thing, where the national uh, debates and stuff could affect what happens locally. And if you look at the Jefferson, I've been looking at the Jefferson County totals all the way back to 2010. And the U.S. Senate race, as said, mirrored what happened in the state, but not just who won, but even the percentage. So I think that, I mean, Claire McCaskill did really well there in 2012. We'll see if she can duplicate that or if it will be more of the nail-biter finish she had in Jefferson County in 2006. I think 2006 at this point is a better comparison just because at this point Josh Hawley is not Todd Aiken. Thank you, Joe. Always appreciate your time. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter, Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. See you next week. Sponsored by Lou Fuse Alfa Romeo of Metro East.